Right, we're back. Dan, blink if you're safe. You look like you've been. Uh, <laughs> you look like you've been held hostage uh, somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm just been. I've been. I've been taken hostage. I have. I do have a so a little phone here. It's call for help. Hello, hello. <laughs> I've been, I've been kicked morning. out of the front room. I'm in a in a in a basement in Goblin Town. But good morning, gentlemen. How are we? We good. We good. Cut my positions. Taking a break from the market per se. Obviously, keeping an eye. But it's it's a nice relief to not be exposed to the market because it's just way too difficult to make sense of it for me, anyways, at the moment. I think the market is really only suited for the LARPs and for the people who know what they're doing, but mostly for the LARPs. Because um, right now, if you don't know what you're doing and if you don't have your finger on the pulse, you will get wrecked. Yeah, I'm good as well, Dan. I'm not I'm not being held hostage, but uh, no, same as, same as Jedi. It's like... Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a little bit too unsure for my liking at the minute. So the vast majority is cut. There's still some large positions still open. Um, Xmon, GMX, Fold, uh, but that's about it for me. Not really. Just just anything long term still there, but it's just way too. It's not even a good place to buy, in my opinion. Um, no one's going to be buying there. Bit Bitcoin looks like ass. Um, Dixie looks like it's running the show again. We can bring that up actually. So just have a bit of a reference. So we made yeah, like... I mean, Dan... sorry, 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 carry on. Go on, no, go on. I was gonna say that Dan and I obviously, you know, we we were just by the way, we we're a little bit lost in the wilderness with Archie on Friday. It was actually quite difficult <laughs> to to find any sense of direction with Archie. It was a bit of a bit of a baptism by fire, but I think we we did quite a good show around just I think we were quite neutral in our perspective around what was happening in the market. We started out with this with the with the Dixie. Um, you know, and it was a general consensus that it's running the show and that things are gonna get rough over the course of the weekend. And you know, it's not often we get to stand on our soapbox and, and claim the call that we made, but we made it and you know, it played out. I mean, we were kind of hoping that that ETH would have bounced a bit better, uh, you know, in light of the merge narrative and the rest of it. But it just really, you know, irrespective of the merge, I'm right now, I mean, obviously that can change, but right now it just seems like, you know, the merge is kind of in the back seat and the Dixie's running the show. S&P 500 is also taking a beating, um, you know, and the projected outlook from my perspective right now is that, you know, we're going to see further downside, you know, possibly test that that 4,000, maybe even a bit lower than that on the S&P 500. Um, and obviously, Bitcoin and everyone, everyone in the crypto space or everything else in the crypto space is going to follow suit. So that's my take on it at the moment. I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's one of those calls where, it's one of those things that you, that you point out, but you kind of like just hope is wrong. Like the fact that we we're saying like the Dixie was going to go up and it's gone a parabolic turn, then everything comes down, and the fact we were right, it's just like oh shit. <laughs> you, you're right, you're right, but you're you're right in the doom and gloom, the doom and gloom sense. Uh, but I don't know if you remember like uh, uh, last week or just week before, uh, just the newsletter. We could see where you know the the SPX had started to lose steam, and we said if it was to break. 
the 42, 43, it would race up to the 4,400. But if not, it would go back into Goblin Town at um, the 4,000 mark. So I wouldn't be surprised with this week and the fact that there's not a huge amount like going on if, if we don't see a little bit more more downside. If I'm completely yeah, honest. I mean, Bosh, relief, yeah. r- relief was just a wider counter trend, mm. um, kind of counter trend player. But yeah, there's haven't they got like a big Illuminati meeting this week where they <laughs> they go through and that's talk on about Friday. <laughs> that's Friday, Jackson Hole. I mean, and they they choose the place quite aptly, don't they? You know, like let's go to Jackson Hole and let the Reserve Bankers and and Mr. Powell get together. So he's speaking on Friday. Um, I'm not really sure to what extent and how relevant that's going to be. But the market's obviously not happy at the moment in terms of traditional finance markets. And, you know, we're obviously feeling it on the crypto side of things. Yeah, because, again, it's just one of those things where I have no business. Like, this looks terrible. (laughs) Look at the state of this. Euro losing parity against the dollar. Um, the only kind of, I suppose the only silver lining in that is that the vast majority of people sat in stables, hopefully haven't cashed out and realized to their bank accounts and they're outperforming their euro cost basis, um, particularly if you're based out, based out where in Europe. I think the pound's getting a beaten as well. Everything's just getting destroyed by Dixie. Obviously, we've seen the Dixie rip up. But again, I have no business trading when I think I think like CryptoDog posted something similar the other day where it's like I'm very, very good in a bull market. Um, mm. and whilst things are chopping, I have kind of no business playing around here, even though you get those urges and impulses to go and apply what you were naturally doing in a, in a bull market. And I mean, we got that kind of relief for like four or five weeks, which turned back into kind of intermediate mode. And now we're back in hard mode. I mean, I'm, I'm not a short seller whatsoever. I'm, I've never, ever found an edge in that. There's way too much volatility. The lizards are meeting on Friday. So um, for me, it's just, <laughs> just, just wait it out. Long, long-term conviction, like some, the metrics are moving in the right direction for some of the bugs, like the GMX. Uh, uh, community member. Community member. It's not yeah. a long-term hold, it's a community member. <laughs> no, but those those metrics seem to be moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, GMX was least affected by the last drawdown, along with like BNB, so I'd, I'd expect something like similar performance. I can kind of ride it out as long as I'm not getting like immediate 30% drawdowns overnight. Um, so that's about it. Let's have a little look at ETH, see what it's doing. The merge is a scam. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you, the thing is that it's not though, Grant. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. I know that you're joking. I know that you you do value it for, for what, it, what the outcome is going to be. At the same time, it just really is interesting to see that you can have such a significant like event because the merge is a very significant event you you're essentially taking you're taking an asset and you are essentially turning the switch and creating a deflationary asset which is huge you know it, it really is huge you know gas is going to continue to burn eth away um you know there they will be almost like a tipping point and that tipping point will come 
but obviously the market right now doesn't really value that around you know this huge event it's it's like there's other more important it's almost like the fuckery that's currently in motion is more important than the fact that this thing is going to be a deflationary asset so you can't it's it's so hard to 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 be dismissive of the fact that we're about to essentially turn the switch on something that's that's been like inflationary for how long since its inception you know like miners have mined and you know rigs have been running and a shitload of money has been put into that and now that's being switched off and i don't think enough has actually been commentated or written or spoken about in terms of you know the significance of how miners are going to be out of pocket around this thing you know like hundreds of millions of dollars if not billions of dollars have been spent on equipment and the energy and the warehousing and all that kind of stuff to mine ETH and that's all about to end um and it's i personally don't think it's being priced in um so i'm very bullish on the merge it's just a shame that every other aspect of the market is dictating you know where it's at and and what it's behaving like at the moment yeah i'm gonna say like i don't agree with you there i think potentially like short to, to midterm bullish oh what's the best way to word this a lot of like bullish like things are happening right now so probably one of the biggest one is is the hash ribbons um where that flagged up buy bitcoin now buy 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 generational wealth happens now but <laughs> if you actually look at what's going on in the world i think this is why ethereum isn't pumping the way it probably should going into one of the biggest events that is going to go down in the literal history of crypto is because yeah. of everything else that's going on in the world. Because right now, like for me, sometimes uh, crypto feels like a video game, right? It's one of those things that can be put, it can be put to the side when, you know, shit hits the fan and figures this morning, like what 18.6% uh, UK inflation. Like there is so <laughs> many more important things than this technological revolution that's going on inside of this and Twitter, right? There's so many more things, which is why I don't think it's probably going to get the justice um, is deserved. But if it pumps back up to like 2,500 for like people's break-even point, awesome. But isn't, isn't that in and of itself, like everyone knows everyone in, in this space is a complete <clears throat> degenerate and can't, can't hold a bag open for like longer than three seconds. So like, aren't, as always, on long-term long-term kind of patient capital are going to win here so it's like there's almost certainly this isn't isn't going to be priced in particularly at this price point and if we start seeing lows again then that's obviously not uh if people were buying at 35 3500 because of the merge narrative then surely 900 or a thousand is again <laughs> generational opportunity so it's like those people who are going to play the long game and just kind of not get too emotional about it and obviously you're gonna get those people who fill in the gaps in between but just trying to like sit on sit on your hands slowly kind of enter in um and allow the merge to play out properly in an environment which isn't completely dictated by what mr powell has for breakfast on a morning and things like that so like any rational person would just be like yeah i'll just buy a little bit here i'll just buy a little bit there and like build their position around this kind of range that we're in and just allow the merge to play out long term but you know we've, we're in a space that's like completely add ridden and just people can't actually because there's so many shiny things out there that's going on it's like patient capital is completely um a scarce asset in the space isn't it so 
like that's what the like that's that's logistically what like the head's saying, but then you know it's a bit painful it's, to watch like 50 60 percent draw down even at the lows mm-hmm. and then like those bot those bottom ticks like down here it's like you like question reality <laughs> so yeah um, it's, it's a brave braver man than i that uh plays that game anyway because if you do if you do look at that bottom bottom tick like that's quite clearly an m forming that is like the biggest most hey look this is an m the chance of this going down could potentially be strong as we know from the old russian investor m's are bad m's go down 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 so the fact that it pumped back up was on, on the daily chart anyway almost looks like a bit of a miracle well, well that's the mood, been... right? It could only yeah. be the mood. It can't be anything else. Uh, is that what that from, from like June to July where it's got that big M? Is that the sign of the merge narrative actually kicking in? Look at that. I think so. Yes. But there is no other explanation that can justify that. The letter M. Because you've chart. got a technical analysis trade technical like the, the golden rule of technical analysis being broken here. It's one of the golden rules. Mm. You know, yeah, it's because um, the, the same time Bitcoin was just like, meh. This is so. This I mean, is something that, I don't know how this this issue gets solved. Um, it's kind of like a, it's a maker of its own doing in a sense where liquidity is getting drawn to ETH, but still, the markets are completely obsessed with the fact that Bitcoin rules the market for it doesn't matter over what time frame. So. I don't. I don't really know. Like that is absolutely terrible price action. <laughs> it's it's, it's you know, horrendous. We we've got we've got a classic case of you know kind of like a little bit of a little bit of a philosophy discussion here, and also a very practical discussion. Is that Dan asked me earlier on like what are the you know what are the attributes of you know what is a bear what is what entails a bear market and and maybe there's a bit of alpha in. In the experience that 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 I've been through is that, you know, what we saw in the last forty-five weeks is exactly what a bear market looks like. Now take that as a relief rally, and then look at maybe three or four of those over a twelve-month period or a sixteen to eighteen-month period. That's what a bear market looks like. Is that you get fake outs you get these pumps i mean you get individual pumps a classic example is eos at the moment it's done 20 percent, and there's a whole lot of these these little narratives that play out and whales and manipulation and all that kind of stuff that's playing out in the market and what happens is that people forget that we're in a bear market and this is what happens and you've got to make sure that you are playing a game where you either get in early and you catch it or you're going to get wrecked there is no in between i promise you 90% 90% of the time, you're either catching it early and you have a heads up on it, or you're on the ass end of it and you're going to get wrecked. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what a bear market looks like. Do you want to participate in that? By all means, if you've got big bags and you, you're quite happy to, to get wrecked more often than not, then by all means, if it satisfies your boredom, then go for it. But if you know what it is that you're doing, you can make a shitload of money. I mean, there are guys out there who are genuinely making money. They know what they're doing. They, they, they've done this before, and it's it's there. The opportunity is there, but you've got to know your stuff. You've got to know your technical analysis. You've got to know how to play this market in the safest and the most efficient way possible. And if you're not, trust me, I've said it three times now. Fourth time, you will get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, because... What would you say is like a smart way to play a bear market then? 
sit on your hands, don't do anything. It's exactly what Grant said. Coming back, let's circle back to what he said. It's it's actually all about accumulation. It's all about, you know, there's there's this whole idea about like dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging, in my opinion, only works when you're at the lows. And it, it it's kind of like imagine having had twenty thousand dollars, right? And you started buying a thousand dollar tranches for argument's sake at around nine hundred to thousand to thousand one hundred to thousand two hundred. You'd be net positive now. If you had been DCAing in all the way from the bottom, all the way to the top, and then even revisiting the bottom and, and still buying. And even if you're buying $100 at a time, even if you are buying $500 at a time, depending on what your capability is, $50, $20, it doesn't matter. The point is, as long as you're getting good value in terms of your conviction, because you've got to have conviction. I mean, a perfect example is, do you have conviction around a protocol that's going to be earning a share of, of fees that are going to be earned. Hero Network, Hero Labs being a very good example of that argument. If you have conviction around a product that's going to yield some kind of return or fees that it's going to earn, then why are you not DCAing into that? Why were you not DCAing into GMX when GMX was at $15, $16, $17? Knowing full well that that thing earns fees and pays out every single day. And these are the decisions that we need to be making. You know, if we if we want to be participants in the space, we need to sit on our hands and we need to look stop looking at all the shiny things. Oh, EOS has gone up 20%. Let me quickly open along. Guess what, bro? You get wrecked. Yeah, wrecked on that. <laughs> Mate, that is just waiting for Bitcoin to like just do like a 2% drop for that to like fall from grace. That's that's so, gonna come down hard on people. You know, and it's it's kind of like, you know, and then there's the other school, you know, you've got the other school that, you know, looks at the fibs, you know, you've got the, the Brian Beamy school, which is, you know, the, the rational investor and, and, you know, waiting for, for, for those reload zones, you know, looking at your fibs, okay, is this a, a viable reload mm -hmm. zone? Cool. And then DCAing in on those levels, you know, that's taking the whole DCAing strategy to the next level and just being aware of, you know, okay, these are these, the fibs say that these are the low points, you know, this is a good entry, and then you go with what the math is telling you. Um, and that's, that should work. So, I mean, that's what Grant was saying, you know, like for the long-term investor right now, you really are sitting on a great opportunity. The problem is that the, the majority of the DJs want to make their 10Xs overnight, and they're frothing to do that. They're seeing all these shiny things. And it generally just ends badly. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't help when people have completely round tripped like such a such a kind of um, profitable and easy market as well. So now it's like any opportunity that they get to try and score some back from the market, it's like let's apply what we what worked in an uptrend. Um, and you should be doing the complete opposite of that. Which is which is easier said than done, don't don't get me wrong. But it's people who are trying to claw back from the market, getting extremely emotional about it. Um, and those are the kind of like areas of the market that you really don't want to don't want to be like taking spending your time into. It's it's completely PvP at the minute. Anyone who says otherwise is is completely wrong in my opinion. Um, so it's just like all of us trading against each other. No one gives a shit. Um, you can you can do it two ways then it's like 
as you say, if you've got long-term conviction over a project that's in like top top ten, um, pick wisely because there are some some uh, unwanted visitors <laughs> up, up on that neck of the woods. But like, let's say it was ETH, and you just wanted to slowly buy ETH every week, every two weeks for the next two years, and then sit on it for the next five years. Then it shouldn't necessarily matter what price you're buying at. Obviously, if it if you see prices where you it's it's like shit that is quite low, then you can wait wait that that next buy a little bit more heavier, so you're kind of getting a a greater average price at a lower price price entry. If that makes sense, it's obviously going to take a little bit of skill. But and as soon as people start doing that, it's like emotions start getting the better of them, and they start loading ten percent of the allocation in at, at one price point and stuff like that. Could work. Best way to take any emotion out of it is just to set up a recurring buy a lot of top exchanges allow you to do it um or you just sit and wait if you've not played the game a little bit better you just sit and wait in stables and then wait for a complete trend reversal like there's no point trying to buy breakouts when like the, the chart looks like this like obviously the chart's horrendous let me bring something else up um oh he's classic let's go look at that <laughs> But no, if like using Bitcoin as an example, there's no point trying to buy breakouts on like charts that look like this. It's an obvious high time frame trend, which is down. Once you start seeing like popping above retests and then up, it's like, okay, we might be slowly starting to get out of a trend here. And then if you get like a little, I don't know, squigglies or a little shit, but just to kind of represent like once you have actually broken the downtrend and then retest it to confirm that we've broken a downtrend and then start trading higher it doesn't matter if you didn't get this entry if we're going higher you've got like all of this part of the move to make some money um, and it's a lot less stressful when dips are actually for buying whereas now dips are like yeah, you need to be careful because the dip can continue. So it's like it's just looking at a high time frame. Dan, you're a you're a such a ten second maxi chart. Uh, <laughs> so it's like it's like get out to the weekly, see your spot resistance, have a little check what's going on, use that as your reference because there's no point buying breakouts in the four hour if the whole weekly time frames completely yeah. trading against you. So that's my advice. Um, sometimes don't follow up myself as well. So. Don't don't be too hard on yourself if you do that as well. So makes the, the, endor- every- make the endorphin rush. The endorphin rush of seeing those like minute charts or 10 second charts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. You know, the other um, the other the other really pract- the other interesting thing from a practical perspective. So you know, like one of the, the one of the most beautiful things in this whole game is you know, you open along in an upward trend. You open along you know, 10x or whatever the case is, 5x, you know, and, and it's, and it doesn't like, you don't ever sit there losing your mind that you're going to get liquidated. Even if you've got like a whole ton of cash, you know, you don't worry about it because you know that you're going to go to bed and you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to be positive. And it's, yes, yeah, sure, you get days where like things reverse. I mean, we've all been in a bear market, you get those red days. But you never live in the state of absolute blinding fear. Like, oh my God, it's going to reverse and I'm going to fucking go to Goblin Town and lose all my money. It's just, it's the complete opposite thing. You know, you just literally in a situation where you're printing money, you know, and it's like, guys, I really miss that. I really miss it. And I would really like it to come back, please. Have you ever, have you ever like, have you ever opened a short? So, like, have you ever opened a short and you're like, you're watching the chart. 
but you've got a spot bag of the same thing that you're short in. Yes, you're like you're I rooting have. for your short to like go to goblins. Yes. Like, come on, get down there, son, get down there. And then you're yes, looking I at have. your spot bag going down, or like your short bag's kind of like going up, but in a downward sense. And you're like rooting for it. I was doing this, doing this <laughs> yesterday, and I was just like, oh my god, I don't actually want this to go down too much further because my spot bag is getting wrecked. But this, this short, is, oh, shit. <laughs> now my short's starting to reverse. I'm like, yes, my spot bag is going up. My short might get liquidated or go. Come on, just just dip. I'm, I'm, I'm like, Lord Jesus, please just dip underneath like my buy point. I don't care if I take a dollar loss or like a two dollar win. I don't care. Just please, for the love of God, don't wreck my spot bag, please, please. So then this is yeah. last night. I was saying that mum was watching like the TV or whatever, and then she could see me like getting really like nervous on it, and I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm like, mum, I'm just gonna close yourself. Like, what? I'm just gonna close. I have no idea what we're talking about, right? And you've oh, and on the, it's like CSI Miami, right? They're talking about crypto. So they were talking about like this guy who'd like lost a wallet and it turned out to be like some big murder case. And I was like, you see, mum, it actually makes no sense what I do, doesn't it? It makes no sense. You can see from the TV. So then, yeah, back to my spot bag. I'm there just like rooting and tooting. It was so funny, man. So, so funny. Moral of the story is don't short or long whatever your spot bag is because that's. <laughs> Yeah, or just just set a stop loss, to, set a take profit, and then forget about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah. But you know what happens with that is that the other thing, the other thing we do wrong is that we get greedy, and then you kind of like, oh, I've made fifteen percent on this, but maybe I can make twenty, and then you just go down the slippery road, and then you you do the round ticket, and you're like, what the fuck did I do? I was a thousand dollars up on that, you know, and I just threw it all away, and now I'm back to zero. You know? Yeah. Um. Anyways, right. Should we get on to? So, yeah. I think we're going to restructure the Tuesday ones, the Tuesday streams, and things like that. So we do like a little bit of an intro on chart and stuff, and tell you how bad it is in the market, and then get into more project related stuff. But I think for this one, we're going to cover how long have we got? Like thirty minutes on like Meta's ecosystem, some of the projects, some of the developments that happen over there, and just give a little bit more of a deep dive on some emerging products that are over there and what that could actually look for, look like going forward. Who's going to be like staying the distance? Who's actually got a good product market fit? Who's doing something inventive and kind of um, new as opposed to being a carbon copy fork. So um, I think if anyone hasn't seen it yet, we've released a, a thread on the whole Metas ecosystem. So just as a brief, a brief overview before if anyone hasn't actually dug into the Metas, it's an optimism fork, effectively. So it's an L2 built on Ethereum. One of the main differences is that with optimism and Arbitrum, you use Ethereum for gas, whereas on Metis, you actually need the Metis token. I know I'm saying Metis, Metis, Meti, however people want to say it. I'm just going to say Metis. It's easier for me to say. So, um, so it's, it, is, it is ridiculously quick. It is ridiculously cheap. Um, and you can obviously find more information about that on on our twitter page as well but just as a kind of brief overview a couple of tools um defi llama obviously kills it they kind of bring up absolutely everything on there it's a good kind of go-to for an overall kind of look at protocols and tvl so effectively the tvl chart um is down from 484 million tvl across the chain down to like 50 million and obviously that looks a little bit flattened and a little bit a little bit flat so 
it's I mean, it did have its little heyday here where things were like popping and doing like two, three X in a day. But now that seems to have kind of fizzled out. But the were like the re- most recent developments over there were the fact that chain link integration, so reliable price feeds allows complete liquidations for lending and borrowing protocols, nice, nice tight spread on um DEXs and things like that. So chain link integration was a long time coming and that just adds an extra layer of reliability and usability on the chain. And it also adds that extra layer of kind of Oracle security for projects that want to build on Metis. But if the chain link infrastructure wasn't there, then you're not going to see the likes of your big blue chip DeFi project move over there. So that came. And then the 100 million um, ecosystem grant, which is slowly starting to get drip, drip fed to projects that are over there doing the doing their business so i expect to see a lot of incentives so expect to see a lot more protocols that are already built port over there i know there's a few already that have started to move over so gents any opinions on this usability anything that you've used seen that you like i've got mine but i'll let, I'll let you guys speak for a second oh well, i'm 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 Metis vanilla so i'm just gonna sit and listen so i think for me like so I, I I participated um, on launch. I was there November December. Um, there were some there were some interesting projects initially. Obviously, there were some some quick some quick. I mean, there were a ton of shitcoin projects that came online, um, and you know there was a lot of gambling that was going on initially, and it was almost like it did it did the it did the ecosystem a disservice in my opinion. Um, from from the early days i think also you know the team have admittedly said that you know a couple of mistakes were made in terms of how they were managing the ecosystem and you know obviously with you know kind of like full on bear and you know fortunately they had you know the reserves the cash reserves are there they raised a substantial amount of money they were able to get back to you know the drawing board essentially you know and, and kind of like okay what do we want to do right what do we want to actually put in place um and i think they have done that they've been more discerning around you know in terms of you know the the metis the metis star itself you know obviously it's open source you know every i mean not open source it's kind of like you can go and you can go and introduce any project you want on the on the ecosystem no one can stop you from doing that but in terms of the projects that you know are kind of like endorsed um in a sense by the meter star um they they've been more discerning around the projects that they've wanted to to invite and get on board obviously this initiative and this hundred million rand grant that's in place is is part of that it's kind of like you know send us essentially a pitch deck and a white paper and a motivation around the kind of project that you want to set up on Metis. We'll assess and then we'll assign capital if we deem you to be worthy. Um, Vitalik's mom is actually running that process. She's she's one of the founders um, and she's yeah she's running that thing from what I can tell quite in quite a strict way and you know obviously wanting to to bring like worthy projects on board which is great obviously because it's it's like you know they're obviously taking this task seriously it's not a case of we've got a whole lot of money you know and now we're going to just enjoy it for our own benefit they really are looking to create something that's long-term sustainable which i really enjoy about it um and the other thing that's quite interesting is that you know obviously as you mentioned grant the 
you know, you've got the blue chips coming on board now. You know, you've got Arvo, who's uh, it's been delayed, uh, but they're in the process of, of onboarding. You know, that's more TVL for the ecosystem. And as we know, you know, as you so so put with, you know, TVLs, it's everything. You know, it's what attracts the guys, you know, with their big bags into an ecosystem. Um, and I think that's what's going on now. There's obviously, you know, individual projects that we can talk about. Uh, obviously, in that thread that we released, you know, we obviously pinpoint a number of projects that are worthwhile and that are giving good returns to guys that are staking. And obviously, the, the real yield narrative is also playing out in the Metis ecosystem at the moment. Um, and I think the new projects that are being reviewed are very much in line with that philosophy. You know, is your project sustainable? You know, are people going to land up being in a situation where they're going to get slow rugged? Um, and I think, you know, Metis is very mindful and conscious of that and you know that that's the way that they want to run this project they want to run this ecosystem going forward what do you see is yeah, like the main projects building on here at the moment are like what kind of like narratives um well so currently in its current form there's like they've got they've got the staples of any of any kind of ecosystem or any network that are required to allow kind of DeFi to go and flourish from that. So you've got NetSwap being the primary DEX by TVL, and you need TVL if you want to be um, a DEX, more TVL, lower slippage, and all that kind of shit. Hermes effectively picked up where solidly left off from, but actually executed and did it well. Um, and that was kind of funded by Maya Dow, which is a, effectively a reserve currency on fork that used the treasury to actually go and go out and build the Hammers protocol. So uh, I'm yet I'm yet to see kind of if that whole kind of gauge voting bribe dex solidly fork type thing is actually good for liquidity because there was a lot of um, stuff that came out about Velodrome recently that. Um, in comparison to other, to other um, more like Uni V three or Uni V three type dexes, it was like the the slippage was a lot higher, or you were getting a, a much worse deal on each trade. So, particularly at high kind of volume. So, kind of yet to, I think the jury's still out on like that solidly type fork um, AMM model, but we'll see. Homus Homus is Homus is good uh, it's like it's a it's a what's what's the phrasing around hummus it's a an authorized fork of platypus and obviously platypus was quite a native in um emerging protocol on avalanche which kind of looked at what curve we're doing and said well it'd be a lot easier if people could single side stake stables as opposed to kind of constantly monitoring the stables and moving that moving their LPs around and just removing that barrier to entry so anyone can kind of provide liquidity into a pool that allows really low slippage stable swaps. So I really like I really like hummus. Um I'd like to see some more kind of developments that were a little bit unique to hummus built on top of that. And I'm pretty sure there's a couple of ways that they can take it. Um Tethys again another Dex. I, I prefer the Tethys like UI and UX to NetSwap despite it being um, kind of second fiddle to NetSwap, but anyone who's around the kind of early Avalanche days would know that Pangolin was the top decks for a long time, and then over one weekend, um, 
I just remember Trader Joe ripping and flipping um, TVL of Pangolin, and then that just kind of picked up steam where Trader Joe are just completely running the show over on um, Avalanche at the minute. Whereas Pangolin is like kind of fiddled, phased out into non-existence. And then mm-hmm. other than that, you've kind of started to see Sushi come over. They like to be on every chain, particularly because they've got this new kind of cross-chain swap integration thing going on. Synapse, kind of good cross-chain infrastructure bridge for the beefy row, obviously over there, doing their thing for yield aggregation. KeyDAO, they were like a... I don't know what previous chain was a Phantom. They were probably over there, similar to like a collateralized deposition with their my stablecoin. So that's that's quite nice to see them over there. So there are projects coming over. Um, I do want to see like a little bit more unique projects being built over here. Like it's because the way the way I look at it is, we've seen innovation happen on Avalanche with the likes of Platypus and now. There's a couple of other protocols over there, Trade Joe doing their own liquidity book type thing. That's you've got that innovation. But I think in the early days of new emerging chains, people like come over, devs try it out, look at what the kind of incentives are for them to actually build over there. Um, and then as soon as like they've got the foundations of an infrastructure for an ecosystem, then they can start building out like this new kind of innovative kind of products because you don't want to come over and just build this like really unique product that's really really good and then the rest of everything around you just be pretty stale you want to kind of like just test the waters first and i can imagine a lot of these protocols behind the scenes have like put my tinfoil hat on they're probably built on other chains as well with different products and the different aliases um so i think you'll see like the like top 10 projects over there solidify and then innovation will come once everyone knows that Metis is going to be around for the long haul. I can imagine that's what's going to happen. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't see as much as I'd like to see it. I don't. I can't imagine like a new innovative protocol just goes and sets up shop on Metis without kind of taking into consideration anything else that's going on around it, and then just cordons itself off to like fifty million TVL. Like once TVL starts to pick up, and once like the big dogs get over there, Arvis, maybe Curve, maybe kind of comp and all those other people who like to go across chain then you kind of get like legitimacy of chain and then you start getting people who are coming over porting their other projects over to as, as well liquidity increases makes it a lot the trading experience a lot better you've got more places to actually put your money there's more incentives and everything like that so for now it's kind of in its infancy and then you'll start to see innovation build out on top of that i think so I'm always, I always keep checking there, so I always try to check in with the Telegram groups and Discords that I'm in, things like that. So I think for now, just to kind of recap, it's it's projects need to solidify themselves as the top dogs on on this chain, and then the kind of innovation can start once they know they're kind of um, going to be around for the long haul. But yeah, not too much innovation, think, but you know. I think, you see, the thing is that I think we are going to see that innovation because there obviously is this... And and we are going to get an opportunity to to get um, the head of business development on a stream with us soon. Uh, we 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 might even record it during the course of this week. We just need a confirmation uh, from Rick. Um, but essentially, that will give us an insight into you know how is this funding being allocated at the moment, and you know what degree of innovation are we going to see from that? You know, are we looking at 
products that are very much focused around this real yield and how are they going to, you know, derive the yield from projects that are obviously earning earning fees? Are they going to be, you know, financial services products that are coming or protocols that are going to be coming to this ecosystem? Um, you know, I know that we've had a discussion with a number of protocols that were looking, looking at meters, which we know are very much the kind of protocols that would generate fees, which would then afford the opportunity for, you know, the likes of the umamis to come in and, you know, obviously exploit in inverted commas that, you know, that narrative. So um, I think you're 100% correct. You know, this is, this is in its infancy right now. Uh, you know, we like to focus on, you know, the potential, the potential opportunities that, maybe um huge successes in the future i mean we do believe that you know from a blockmost perspective and in light of the research that we've done uh you know these guys they know what they're doing they're serious about the product that's that they've put out there i mean from a from a from a tokenomics perspective i don't actually think there is a single token out there that is in a better spot than the meters token is right now and that is that I think 1% of the initial seed investment is currently held and the 99% of all tokens are in circulation right now. There's no, there's, no, there's no VCs out there that can dump on you. And I don't think there's a single ecosystem right now that has that. Um, and that alone should make you pretty bullish about mm -hmm. you know, this ecosystem and obviously the token itself. But more importantly, the, this, this thing is super fast. You know, it works on a, on very much like fundament on the fundamentals of the technology. This is truly a truly is a decentralized ecosystem. You know, you mm -hmm. can't switch this thing off. It really is. Um, uh, if anyone wanted to come and turn this thing off, good luck. It's not going to happen. It's it really isn't. Uh, so they've got that right. You know, they've 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 definitely taken to heart the playbook that Vitalik put out in terms of what decentralization is. And they've incorporated, you know, a lot of the principles that that are at the essence of what Ethereum is. And in many ways, you could argue that, you know, the way that I see it is that that Metis is actually even more Ethereum based than the Ethereum ecosystem itself. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, um, you know, where they, they want to bring in these soul bound tokens, the whole concept of you know, taking things away from a DAO structure. Um, and that's something that we'll touch on in, in, in future, you know, in future streams and the rest of it. But essentially, they want to create a governance system that isn't just based on DAOs, but it's based on very much a gamification of having an avatar that earns credibility through deeds. And your credibility then gets transferred into the ecosystem as a trustworthy figure. So you as an individual can actually level yourself up in terms of reputation power. And you can then participate based on that reputation power, based on what it is that you've done in the ecosystem. So mm -hmm. it is very much taking, you know, like the whole EverQuest and the whole World of Warcraft thing around, you know, reputation and being able to access services and opportunities within the ecosystem that, you know, someone who's just entered wouldn't be able to. And it's through doing good stuff and through participating in a positive way. So I think they really are taking the whole thing to the next level in terms of, 
understanding what the market needs, what understanding what individuals need. Individuals need. It's cheap. It's fast, and you know it's now dependent, as Grant was saying. I think it, it's now very much dependent upon to what degree of innovation are we going to see on this 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 ecosystem, and you know how much value is going to be created in that innovation for the people that come in and use it. Yeah, the like as I say at the protocol level, it's just at its infancy, and this is what you'd kind of expect from an ecosystem. So, like, kind of um, projects that have typically done well on other chains just kind of forked put over here. That just makes complete sense to me. But I think the innovation lies within what you were just saying there, Jedi. It's it's the fact that like the whole idea of like the DAC over DAO system, the they're really pushing on like the innovations that Vitalik has written about and kind of executing on them much quicker um, and to a better degree than the majority of other protocols out there. So it's like, just because the the protocols at the level, don't, not not kind of shitting on them whatsoever. I think I've, I've got a few of these anyway myself, but it's like the innovation's happening on a much broader um, stroke on a network level and a kind of business development level and kind of an infrastructure level, as opposed to just waiting for kind of number to go up on, on these new emerging projects that are on the actual chain itself. Like this, like the protocol level innovation will come. It just will, because there's going to be incentives and the best way to kind of incentivize innovation is to, is to get people paid. So um, the innovation is there, but it's, it's in a kind of form that a lot of other chains are beginning to kind of neglect and just kind of focus on, Let's get let's get number go up coins on on the chain so TVL and activity looks like it's going up. But I quite like what they're doing, like further afield than that, like soulbound tokens thing, integrating the credibility on chain and stuff like that. I think that's really really interesting. So might not be stuff that you can just ape into immediately, but if you're going to bet on a whole ecosystem as a whole, um, then having Meta's like exposure is kind of a bet on that in and of itself. I think. Um, but one thing I will add is like. That 100 million ecosystem grant has to go somewhere. So just because like 99% of the supply is out on the market, I do think demand will outgrow the 100 million that finds its way on the market through ecosystem grants. Like projects aren't just going to hold onto that medicine, be able to pay um, the developers, their business development and all that kind of jazz. So that stuff has to kind of, that will transact and that probably will show itself on the chart at some point. But I think demand will definitely outweigh that supply coming onto the market. We've seen it with optimism that slowly like slowly started to downtrend as soon as like emissions started to outrun um demand from users. But people will come over, play the game, they'll probably stay around because it's so good and the user it, the user experience is great. But there will be that supply that eventually comes onto the market. But I think in the long run, distribution's good for that, as opposed to it being in the hands of like a smaller amount of people. So distribution that happens through emissions based on incentives. I think is a net positive. We've seen Airbox continue to completely rip to about 12, 15%, uh, 15x over, over the course of the year with their heavy kind of incentives program. So something to be aware of, but not something to be too concerned about, I don't think. And do you think, so, like, I mean, just uh, to... like... oh, sorry, go on. No, no, carry on, Dan. It's all good. I was going to say, do you think a chain like this, as it does seem quite in its infancy, what benefit do you think? a and it's probably just an easy way to say it, what benefit do you think having a shitcoin scene on here 
would do for the actual chain in the fact that it is likely to bring people over to it. These shitcoin traders, a lot of them are actually very good traders just in general. They may see the chain for what it actually is and then, you know, stick around. Do you think there would be a benefit to creating that kind of like very niche shitcoin scene to bring up some some value there? I think we already saw it, didn't we? We kind of seen people parting over for those like couple of weeks where the ecosystem was really thriving. Um, I, I think it's good for drawing attention to it, and I think it'll always happen when there's a gold rush to any chain. But for longevity, I think I think it's I think it's useless because those kind of people are just searching for the next opportunity. Then they'll just take their funds off chain if they've like squeezed mm. some juice out of some trades on there, and then they'll just bridge to somewhere else that there's a new shiny opportunity in, and probably get stuck on Dodge chain with the withdrawal period and stuff like that. So it's like people are people are gonna. I suppose it's a kind of good way of driving attention and, and focus and getting people to bridge over but i don't think it does the ecosystem any good in the long term to be honest like the last thing you want is to be known as like a shitcoin chain you're not gonna you're not gonna attract big projects and big developers over there if you kind of get coined with that phrase like there was a few mm-hmm. like bsc kind of got tarnished despite that still having like a lot of um asian participants that, that operate over there but there was a lot of kind of well there's no way I'm going to go and build on the, um, that kind of mentality and sentiment around it because there was that kind of shitcoin casino happening over there. But it's still, like, to say, like, there's, there's nothing to say it, it can't do good. I just think it's not very good for, again, using that phrase, but, like, patient, long-term capital for an ecosystem. But And I don't think the, I don't think the funding and the MetaStow and stuff would lean heavily into that regardless. So, I mean, I could be wrong. It could completely pop off and... Meta season with shitcoins could could certainly happen, but <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily think it's a it's a net positive for the space. Oh, interesting. I think I think this is a, like this is a really good question, and it's a, it's a question that I'd like to pose to you know the meters team directly. My feeling on it, however, is that I don't think it necessarily is a positive thing for the most part. I think there is a place for it. We've always said this on our streams and we've we've reiterated this before is that you always have your weeds you'll always have the casino you'll always have you know those opportunities and 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 the gambling opportunities that people love so much come to the fore i think like ron said the meters ecosystem had a lot of that at its inception because it was cheap because it was i mean it, it really wasn't an effort for them to be able to to set up shop and to run you know all these these shitcoin projects but what you want is, I mean, in my in my my perspective or my kind of like the way that I see meters being really solid is kind of like an Arbitrum style where you don't really get shit coins on the Arbitrum ecosystem. It's it's about the business, you know. It really is. I mean, I don't know why that's the case. I don't know if it was like this conscious decision to kind of limit the kind of projects, but you know, if if it's you know, if if it's decentralized and the rest of it, then anyone can set up shop there. But for some reason, you know, there's generally serious protocols there. You know, there's there's what is the TVL in Arbitrum at the moment, Grant? Can you can you bring up DeFi Llama and just tell me what it is quickly? Nine hundred twenty-four million. I thought it would have been higher than that. No, it did. Um, it did. I mean, it's still very good. 
And what, what would make Tron three. number two? Tron. <laughs> Tron. Well, it's just that's Lordship. Justin Sun's Justin Sun's bank bank account, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Of course, it is. Because that's that's crazy. There's there's ten protocols there, with five point <laughs> nine billion. Yeah, and they're all called just stables, son, just land, <laughs> just money. Oh my god! <laughs> it's his bank account. That's what he's. That's it's what it his is. bank that's account. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the it's the most transparent bank account in the history of humankind at six billion dollars. Well, at least you get taxes efficiently then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's like so even just a... one, just... go on. So just one thing, um, just in terms of, you know, you spoke about incentives. I do know that, that, and I'm sure this will also come to light in, in the next week or so, is that, that Hummus is setting up an incentives program. Uh, I think it's going to be quite a substantial amount, um, and it's coming quite soon. Um, you know, we don't have details yet. So I think the guys are just sorting out... Um, you know, what they can and can't do from a legal perspective. Um, because that's the other thing about the Metis guys is that they are very mindful of, you know, the regulatory landscape and what it is that they should be doing and what they can't be doing. And that just, once again, speaks to, you know, how serious they are about running a solid operation, you know. And and, and that's all these things that, you know, just reinforces the, the the bullishness on this ecosystem from my perspective anyways, you know, like good business practices, being mindful of the projects. And just one last thing from the, you know, from the, the, the governance perspective of things, which I really like is, you know, taking the DAO out of the picture. You mentioned that Grant is the, is the DAC, which is the decentralized autonomous organization. So you're taking it and you're giving individuals the power to make decisions around this thing, obviously with soulbound tokens. Um, and I think they are setting the precedent for perhaps the way that things will operate around governance in the decentralized space and moving away from DAOs. Because as we know, that DAOs have their problems. Um, you know, you earn the majority of, of something and you can come and vote on your own and just completely, you know, like eliminate everybody else's opinion, uh, whereas DAX work differently. So, and we'll also be speaking about that in the coming weeks in terms of how it works. And I reckon they're going to land up setting a precedent in terms of how how these organisations and how decisions are made in a decentralised space. Yep, agreed. That was our main. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's it from us today. So. We we did pass thousand uh, subscribers, which was good. Um, Ten thousand next. <laughs> so can I, if everyone could like and subscribe, if they haven't already done so, that'd be that'd be really good for us. Just trying to incentivize us for our own <laughs> emissions to uh, get ourselves on here and keep motivated to continue to churn out more content. Um, so if you could do that, that'd be great. But yeah, gents, thanks for joining us and. I think we've got a few more this week, so we'll get them posted out as soon as it's ready. But yeah, thanks everyone. Peace. <laughs>